Hello everyone and welcome to Sterling's Business Success and Coffee podcast. Kindly sponsored and supported by Sterling's group coaching programs and fix this next. This free online business assessment tool enables you to pinpoint your business's vital need. Keep listening for top business tips and advice to help you level up and scale up. Here's your host, Simon Meadows. Hi everyone and welcome to this very special podcast episode and it's special listeners because as I've probably shared before there are three purposes to this podcast. The first one is to give you the listeners exceptional value. The second one is to put the guest in the spotlight which I know we're going to do an amazing job of today and the third one is a selfish one from my point of view and that's to get my top 10 hero business authors onto this podcast and today I have done that. Today I've got the number one author off my list and that is Daniel Priestley. And Daniel Priestley is the founder of Dent Global and Score App, Entrepreneur of the Year 22 and four-time best-selling author. And if any of this video gets out there, you'll see I've got the books on the shelf behind me to prove that uh, I've read the books as well. Daniel is a leading authority in scaling businesses, which is really important for you, I know, listeners. His reputation and extensive experience with his own companies have seen him advising for Inc. 500 leaders and unicorn entrepreneurs, as well as appearing regularly in the media. Starting with nothing, Daniel has built valuable and scalable businesses in Australia, the UK, US, Canada and Singapore. And this is the most important thing for me, listeners, and this is why it's so so critical that he was the first guest off that list because Dan's mission is to develop entrepreneurs who stand out which is great with the book oversubscribed scale up and most importantly make a positive impact in the world and that's what we want this podcast to to have an impact on you and anybody listening to this now or in the future so great to have you on the podcast Daniel Dan Welcome. Simon, thank you very much. I they say you should never meet your heroes because <laughs> it'll be it'll be a disappointing experience. So I I can only let you down apparently. Well, there you go. <laughs> well, you, you've ticked a few boxes anyway. For the listeners that are listening to this on Audible and uh, not seeing any video, the backdrop is great as well because you've got a couple of guitars in there. I had to actually cover my guitar with a a t-shirt because the light from the LED lights was shining onto them. So you've got an acoustic and an electric guitar there, which is which is great. So that's one box checked already so that's good fantastic yeah and, and those. you're in london as well so you're slightly cooler today like i am here in the uk but it's still pretty sticky and pretty pretty warm if you're in an office yeah. with no air conditioning yeah we're also dealing with the post shock of a 35 plus day in uh, but as you can hear i'm from australia i grew up on the sunshine coast uh, yeah. and where i grew up it was a very regular occurrence to have uh days that were over 35 degrees. That was just a normal summer's day. Um, so I, I was somewhat prepared. Yeah, that, and that's interesting because I was on a, a course this morning and I didn't quite believe what this lady Lisa was saying, but she was in Australia as well and she just moved there and she said, I can't believe that it's winter here and I'm still able to go onto the beach in a bikini. Oh, is that, yeah. Is that true? On the sun- well, on the Sunshine Coast where I grew up, uh, a winter's day, a normal winter's day was lots of 23, 24 degree oh. days. Um, so we thought of that as a cool day and yep. summers were 34, 35, 36 was a normal day. 
Um, so actually, in many cases, spring, autumn, winter could give yeah. you a, a better day for hanging out on the beach, to be fair. Yeah, yeah it just sounds a bit of a blur, yeah. So let's get on to the, to the first question of the podcast. And this is the thing I, you know, I'm keen to know. What are you drinking today and what can you tell us about the, the drink that you have and why you're drinking it? <laughs> uh, let's get straight into the important things. Yeah. Uh, I, I have an amazing coffee machine, a bean to cup coffee machine, which we bought during the pandemic. And it is amazing. It's a digital interface and you just push the button with your name on it and it just go, it goes whirling around and creates the exact coffee that you want, which is pretty easy from my point of view. I just drink black coffee. I love me too. Uh, no, no frills, high quality beans. Uh, and, uh, and just we're going after a nice black coffee. And you were talking there about meeting heroes and I can imagine going to a coffee machine and seeing your name. I wouldn't like to see my name every day. I go to a coffee machine and have to choose Simon off the machine either. So that would probably freak me out slightly. I'll just go for the, <laughs> for the standard Nespresso KitchenAid machine. That's, that's great. <laughs> a any particular strength, any particular sort of type of beans that you like? Uh, I like a mid-strength coffee. I like um, organic beans. Um, Kenyan beans are quite good. I use yeah. so one of the one of the parents at my kid's school has a coffee roasting business called Curious Roo, and they oh. do amazing beans. They they really do do genuinely really great coffee. So if you get a chance, shout out to uh, Magda uh, at the school gate. Yep. Uh, for curious, curious Roo, Magda and Ed, yep. um, they they do a great job of roasting coffee beans. Amazing. And, and whereabouts are they located? So we can uh, perhaps South Southwest London. They're in Southwest London, but ah. I think they deliver all over the UK. They send us coffee in the mail. Oh, that's it. Well, I can definitely check that out then. So uh, so that's great. So thinking about um, the your businesses and obviously, you know, the founder of Dent Global Score app, you know, what has been something that you have been working on or developing? Give us a bit of an insight into that, if you would. So going into the pandemic, uh, we had the accelerator business. We were doing a lot of training and development. We had to move from live events into online events. That was an amazing transformation. We built some customer portals and we built some project management software for our clients and it was pretty wonderful. But we also, during that time, we spun out ScoreApp. So ScoreApp was a, originally a tool that we just used ourselves, which was um, our lead generation tool. Um, I, I created an online scorecard called the Key Person of Influence uh, Scorecard uh, to, test whether you're a, uh, to test whether you're doing all the right things to become a key person of influence in your industry. It generated 90,000 uh, warm leads. It generated 25 wow. million in sales. Uh, so it was kind of like a, a really roaring success for lead generation. Uh, and we used the technology and the thoughts and the insights behind what we'd learned from that to turn it into its standalone business so that people can create their own lead generation campaigns using scorecards. Um, so I've been, in, in the last few weeks, I've been finalizing a book called Scorecard Marketing. Uh, and scorecard marketing teaches you exactly step-by-step step the thinking and the step-by-steps of how to actually set up a scorecard campaign. Very tactical book. Um, it's It's got a little bit of philosophy at the beginning and then it gets into tactical, first do this, then do that uh, type content. So um, basically it's just really unpacking that particular successful campaign that we ran, uh, which was a scorecard marketing campaign. Yeah. 
Uh, and it's interesting you you said there about marketing because you know, one of the the first books I ever read of yours was Oversubscribed. And for me, you know, I came from the construction industry into coaching, and I'd never done. Uh, and I, I hate it when I say this. I say I've never done marketing before, but of course I did. I had a very successful business and I exited it after 20 years. So I must have done some kind of sales and marketing. Must have done something right. <laughs> yeah. But most of it came from word of mouth, referrals and repeat customers. And we never lost a customer unless we chose to lose a customer. And suddenly I became a coach and entered a completely different sphere. And you know, I found it was an industry where we were always chasing the customers. And... Somebody recommended uh, the book. It was one of my coaches recommended the book and said, you know, you need to give people the red rope treatment. You know, you need to decide who you let into your your sphere of you know, being a customer and audit them rather than the way around. And, you know, it was a great, for me, it was a, a huge step in the thinking of marketing. It sounds like this, this new book is going to be a bridge between the two perhaps does it sort of connect them together a little bit because you know i see that as a common theme with your books it's very important to make those connections between them isn't it? you can't you can read them each in isolation but they also bring added value to each other as well don't they yeah so the four main books i call that the entrepreneur journey series and you've got entrepreneur revolution which is all about starting out in a big in the beginning and key person of influence is about building your personal brand and using that to your advantage oversubscribed is marketing campaigns and promotions and then 24 assets is building the scalable digital business so those those four kind of go in a series um you know harry potter of entrepreneurship style um but uh the i guess <laughs> if it was star wars then this would this scorecard marketing book would be one of the spin-offs from oversubscribed it's a um, yeah. it, it, it's really just a tactical implementation whereas oversubscribed is all about the philosophy the thinking of becoming more campaign driven and setting a capacity and oversubscribing that capacity this is like how do you do it step by step uh, and this is literally picking one thing that's worked really well for us and taking yeah. you into a deep dive on that one thing um, and you know, we're going to be getting that book out there. Obviously that book goes very well with score app. Uh, it's the playbook for score app. Yeah. Uh, so, um, I guess I'm playing to my strengths there and, and putting a book out to, to promote a SaaS product, um, and making sure that everyone knows exactly how and why they would use that product. It's, it's interesting. You mentioned that you used score app yourself as well, because I've had quite a few clients who have incredible resources in their own businesses and many of them are web designers or tech people and they've built these platforms in their own business for themselves and i've had a couple that have taken them to market and done exceptionally well out it and they never thought anybody would ever buy something that they created for themselves and i'm sure mm. lots of the people listening to this will be sat there thinking i wonder if i've got something that i've built uh, that i could use you know what would you say to those people that perhaps sat on that fence wondering have i got something have i not i would say this my father-in-law david he he wears this rolex watch that he got in 1969 mm. um a rolex submariner and he cleans the gutters and he spray paints the walls and he does the gardening in it <laughs> and he doesn't realize it or he does but he doesn't care but it's a vintage Rolex with the box and the papers, and it would be about thirty thousand pounds. Yeah. Um, now he thinks he thinks of it as a three hundred pound watch uh, because that's what he paid for it back in uh, back in nineteen sixty nine. 
so he doesn't he doesn't think of it as this hugely valuable thing but it's like that with every business i bet there's a vintage rolex sitting in every business there's something that you take for granted there's something that you use every day that you wear every day that that uh yeah. that could actually be that could surprisingly be bigger than your your existing business i've seen situations where you've got a business that it might be worth one to five million and then they spin out a SaaS product and very rapidly that SaaS product is worth 10 to 20 million right. um, because you know most people don't realize this but a, a software as a service um, product if it gets legs and starts growing uh, it can be worth something like seven times revenue so if you can do a million pounds worth of revenue uh, on a SaaS product you've got yourself a seven to ten million pound business depending on you know, at what stage you exit it. Um, but there's these websites now where you can sell SaaS products uh, called MicroAcquire, for example, where you can actually, as soon as you've got traction, people are, are chomping at the bit to buy these and scale them. Uh, so there's a whole ecosystem around this that most people are unaware of. Yeah. And some of the best SaaS products, absolute best SaaS products, are products that start out in really normal, serious businesses, services businesses, where the business came up with something that it couldn't find and it developed it itself and, yeah. and loves it and uses it. And it might be a little dashboard or a little widget. Uh, just so happens there might be 10,000 people out there who would happily pay £29 a month for that. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because, you know, one of the clients that I had uh, said, nobody's going to use what we have, you know, um, who else would buy it? And it's almost as though people that have these products think that one it's of no value so i love the rolex story that's a great story thank you for sharing that uh, and i completely <laughs> agree with that uh, the the other thing is that they they almost feel that their product and their use of it is so unique yet in every other aspect of their marketing they struggle to find ways that they're unique yet when it comes yes. to the product oh nobody oh, yeah. else will buy it it's just for me and we use it and we're unique uh, and it's, it's <laughs> such a, a contradiction a isn't it <laughs> The two things can't be true. You can't be operating in a saturated market where it's hard to stand out. And also we're so unique that no one else would be like us. Yeah, uh, yeah exactly. So it's worth it's worth thinking that through. I think there's always an amazing pivot sitting in every business. There's always something you can do with a business. I've bought businesses and really grown them quickly because we've noticed a pivot in the business. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you can be too close to it. You know, the reason David doesn't see the value of his Rolex is he's literally worn it every single day for the last 40, 50 years. Uh, so therefore he doesn't see it the same as I see it because I only see it uh, rarely. So for me, it's rare for him. It's a daily thing. So yeah. we, there's something called proximity bias and proximity bias is that we have a warped sense of value on things that are too close to us or that are very close to us. And um, most business owners should be aware that they have proximity bias for their own business. That's one of the reasons you hire a coach. Yeah, And the other thing with that is it's very relevant to relationships, but that would be a completely different podcast that are got in a completely different direction. But that is also yeah. very true in relationships as well. Personal relationships and business relationships as well, isn't it? Because very often oh, our team totally. are so close to us, we don't see the value in them. I've certainly been guilty of that in my businesses in the past. We can, we can become, yeah, we can become complacent. Um, you know, sometimes sometimes we overvalue things like I think my son's drawings are world changing the next Van Gogh. Uh, but you probably look at them and think, okay, that's uh, that's a that's an eight year old's drawing. Yeah. So, um, you know, we can 
we, we have a warped sense of value when we're close to something. Yeah, definitely. So the work that you've been doing on this, and um, I'm also interested in the, the product that you've used it as yourself, what kind of difference has that made? You know, what If you could pick one thing that stood out of, of an exceptional difference it's made to you and to the business, what would that be? Oh, that's an easy one. In 2013, we ran huge events all over the world. When I say huge events, right? So, sorry, that can mean different things, but we ran events with 500 to 1,000 people in big, beautiful theater auditoriums. And we used to run them like every month or, every, or sometimes two a month. Yep. And, you know, I'd turn up in Sydney and there'd be 1,000 people in the National Institute of Dramatic Arts Hall. And we'd then go to Singapore and there'd be beautiful theater auditorium and we'd have six, 700 people in there. And then I'd go to Florida and we'd do one in the beautiful, big, uh, you know, Floridian kind of theater. And, um, and we were basically having a ball flying around doing these big events um, around the world, growing a global business. But then in 2014, uh, I knew that we were having our first baby. Uh, and I really panicked because I thought, well, how the hell am I going to travel around and, and, contact and be in contact with all these people and make all these sales uh, and generate new business if I can't fly around the world and be on stages. I can't be a good dad and also be always away on a plane. Uh, so it couldn't have come along at a better time, but that's when we created the first scorecard. And the scorecard really became this incredible marketing engine for us because uh, let me just share what a scorecard is. It's basically, it's a self-diagnosis tool. So for example, let's say you're, you know, you, you're a business coach specializing in construction industry businesses. Um, so you might have a scorecard called, um, are you ready to grow your construction business? Answer 40 questions to identify levers for growth. Okay. Um, so I go in and I answer 40 questions and it says you are under indexing on your sales process, you're over indexing on servicing, um, you're under indexing on, um, uh, you know, joint ventures and promotions, whatever it is, right? So I answer some questions and then it starts spitting out a custom recommendation. So if I took that scorecard, I've basically self-diagnosed, oh, wow, this, this guy could help me because... I've just answered these questions and now it seems obvious that there's things that I could do to improve. So what happened with my scorecard is I had the key person of influence scorecard. We had five categories, um, pitching, publishing, products, profile, and partnership. People answer a series of questions. It gives them a score on those five categories and says, here's where you should focus your attention to get the best impact. Um, now, it's an absolute dream for salespeople because if someone has filled in a scorecard, you pick up the phone and say, hey, I noticed you took the scorecard today. Um, can I quickly share with you a few tips on how to improve and can I, can I give you some feedback? And most people go, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. That's great. Uh, as opposed to a cold call, which is, um, hi there, um, uh, I wonder if you've got some time to talk. Tell me a bit about yourself. Oh, yeah. please, you know, I haven't got time for that. Yeah. So, um, so basically what happened is, as I said, about 15,000 people per year started taking the scorecard because there's a bit of a viral element to it. Um, people share their score and they talk about it and, and all of those things. We also ran some ads to it. Anyway, 15,000 people a year started taking it and it just generated millions and millions of sales without me having to get on a plane. Wow. Uh, 
So that was one of the really cool things that I was able to replicate myself and automate myself uh, without having to leave the front door, which kind of was handy in 2020. Yeah, and and I think for the listeners as well, it's always good to hear that this helped you in your own business scale up and not just improve the marketing, et cetera, but actually scale up your own business. Because for many of us, as you're saying, the pandemic has given us a great reason to to have to do that in some way and find different ways of doing it. But to do it then and to look at the different aspects of that, yeah, great. And you know, if I think about one of the people I've been to see on stage a few times, Tony Robbins, you know, the the whole Facebook Zoom thing went absolutely ballistic for him and you know i know i was on a vip session with him and got to ask him some questions and he said yeah i i was always against this and i liked to see the whites of eyes of people i like to see the individuals and the reactions but now i just think why didn't i do this earlier and same again you know the time he lost he'll never get that back by being on that plane and being on the stage <laughs> yeah ex- exactly yeah and and yeah his whole life has changed as a result of that um, and he's able to impact more people. Uh, so sometimes these little digital innovations, it's all you need. It's like it's its something that does a really powerful job, but builds a bridge in a different way. Um, you know, when I was going and speaking to people on stage, I was trying to build a bridge in the relationship by being there for them and connecting with them. But having an online diagnostic, a, a, a self-assessment tool, was able to build that bridge in a different way. It wasn't the same. I wasn't like going out in a hologram format. Yeah. I was I was doing the same thing, but in a different, achieving it in a different way, which was just awesome. Yeah, and I think one of the, the the things that I've seen in people is those that are most self-aware are the ones that are most successful. So it starts with self-awareness, doesn't it? So it sounds like the indexing and that really contribute to that self-awareness. Okay, it's an external tool, but it's enabling them not just from a sales point of view to connect with their prospects, et cetera, but it's actually enabling those that use the card to be self-aware as well. Did I hear that right? Is that an important part of the tool? Yeah. One of the reasons that people buy is because they become aware of a gap, right? Mm. So it's the, there's some sort, of, some sort of tension is there. So for example, there are problems in our lives that we're aware of and there are problems that we're unaware of. And sometimes someone can shine a spotlight. So, for example, if I went down to your car and said, hey, look, I'm an expert mechanic and I've just noticed that the brake pads are right at the edge and they're, you know, they're dangerously close to being uh, unusable, you would go from unaware to yeah. suddenly going, I urgently, need to, to, I urgently need to change these brake pads. So it's the same that if you can ask people a series of questions on a scorecard, that turn them from unaware to aware of a problem or unaware of aware of a tension or a gap, then suddenly they become very motivated to, to, to close that gap. They may have had no inkling that mm. there was something they could be doing differently, but suddenly you've helped them to diagnose and say, yep, this is, uh, this is something that I need to put some attention on. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think that's such a great example. And if you know a good Jeep Wrangler mechanic, by the way, send them my way because it's still sat there and uh, not working very well. <laughs> I need some of that self-awareness, definitely, rather than the computer says, we, yeah. We, we need to diagnose it. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. So if if people want to find out more about the, the SCORE app and 
you know, or, or reach out in any way, where's the best place for, for listeners to go and find out more and, and take advantage of anything that you have to offer, whether it's the book, whether it's the app, you know, give us a bit of an idea of where we can go. So scoreapp.com is the place where you can go. And on the front page, you'll see that there's a free trial. There's a learning center that explains exactly how to do it. Uh, you can book a call with our team during your free trial period and we can talk you through it. Um, also, if you do activate a free trial, a little bit of an inside info, we're going to be sending out everyone who's on a trial or who's a customer, we're going to be sending out a free copy of the book as well. Oh, there um, you go. So, yeah, so, uh, so there'll be a book in the post um, for you uh, when that happens. Um, and, um, yeah, the other thing too is if you're using social media like Twitter or Instagram, uh, feel free to, to, to message me and uh, send me a direct message or LinkedIn. Feel free to add me on LinkedIn. It's at Daniel Priestley. Uh, and I'd be only too happy to, to, to stay in touch and stay connected and just mention that uh, you heard, heard me first on, on your podcast yeah, and I'll, that'd be great. I'll uh, bump it up to the top. Great. And as I said, you know, putting you in the spotlight is one of my missions. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for doing that. I, you said I could ask a selfish question. Okay. Before we started the recording. So one of the, the one of my other favorite books of yours is 24 assets. Okay. Uh, and I've built uh, my own businesses uh, on assets and I've got probably three or four clients that would probably like to send you some kind of big thank you because we've used the process of building the assets and it's turned a business one one client who was valued at about fifty thousand pounds here in the uk for investment um we spent just less than 12 months building their assets and managed to get four million pounds worth of investment <laughs> for for a lower lower equity share as well much lower equity share and you've got your categories, haven't you, of, of, of assets? And I'm probably putting you on the spot here. It's always good to put them off on the spot and find out what they know about their own books. But uh, so I'm going to hold it up for, for the screen for the video. You probably can't see that there with the light. Um, but I've always taken that as a bit of a hierarchy that you start with the intellectual um, assets, intellectual uh, property assets at the bottom, then work on your brand assets, then the marketing assets, and then go up to product systems, culture, and funding assets. Um, my selfish question is, am I right? Is it a hierarchy? Should I start at the bottom, which I see as the foundation on the house that you you show in your book and work my way up when I'm helping people build their assets? Oh, I, I don't necessarily want to. There's definitely a, a way of doing it that way. I've seen businesses, great businesses start in, in different places, to be fair. Okay. So, for example, um, in Silicon Valley, um, they often start with the funding assets. They start with the business plan oh, okay. um, and they start with the forecast. And, and I've seen businesses literally get started with the board of directors, where, which is on the, on the funding assets. So they'll put together a leadership team, they'll put together a business plan and they'll go out and raise capital and then they'll go and, and, and backfill. Um, I've seen businesses start with uh, market assets. So for example, uh, I've seen companies, uh, you know, get traction on Instagram where they get 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 followers. One business I know ended up accidentally getting uh, about 500,000 followers before they launched a product. But essentially that is a market asset. It's a channel to market. Yeah. Um, and they then developed a set of products. So what typically happens is that every business has its own story as to where it starts on the assets journey. 
um, and it has kind of its day one asset that it, that it kind of came up with. Um, and a very methodical approach would be intellectual property, brand, market, yep. products, yep. systems, team. But um, but every it tends to be that every business has a particular couple of assets it began with. The real trick is to recognize what you've got and then backfill the others. And sure. one of the things that one of the things that we've found with companies that implement 24 assets is that they they've been really putting all their F, all, all their weight on those few assets they've got. And then suddenly yeah. when they do the 24 assets, they realize, oh, wait a second, all of these assets can do a little bit of heavy lifting and they can, you know, they can they can give the business lift off. Um, the other thing I just want to say is there's been several people who have told me the same story. Um, that's a pretty extraordinary extraordinary one. 50 grand to 4 million is very extraordinary. But we had a, a three founders who had a telecommunications business. They came to me and they said, oh, look, we want to sell this for 2.1 million. Um, and I laughed and I said, have you each got 700 grand left on your mortgage? And they said, yeah, that's actually it. Uh, we both, we all three of us want to be mortgage. <laughs> there's always mortgage a reason. Free. Yeah, there's always a tie up, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. So the, t- the 2.1 million was the number. Uh, and they said, we think we can get 2.1 million. I said, look, just, just give us a little bit of time. Let's go through the 24 assets. They took nine months to go through and formalize the assets. And actually in their case, most of the assets were already in the business. They just hadn't been formalized. They hadn't been yeah. kind of documented and they, they just weren't put on the table. So they put together a document that really clearly showed their 24 assets. And when they took it to a publicly listed company who acquired them, um, they were very good in their negotiation that they allowed the PLC to put forward the price. Um, and they were actually able to negotiate 5.4 million. Wow. So rather, rather than getting 2.1, which was their goal, uh, 5.4 felt a lot better yeah, yeah. and they really put they put it down to documenting those assets because yeah. the acquirer said you made it so clear for us to understand what this business is and what we're paying for um, we were happy to go ahead yeah yeah and, and when I sold off my business in 2009 when the banking crisis was going and construction companies were falling all around me yeah I only got the value that I got because of the assets that I'd built and the documentation of those assets and people didn't buy me they didn't buy um you know the guys who were doing the work they bought the contracts that I've got and the assets in, in mm. the business that had been documented so yeah listeners build your assets definitely and and I suppose thank you for sharing that and <laughs> totally screwing up my process now as well so I'm going to stop working about if that if that's what works that's what works yeah I'll never but, get but, in the way of that no but I think the thing that you know I've taken from this it's it's about that awareness isn't it you know be aware of what you've got be aware of where you start and actually it could be in the middle of that it could be the top of that uh, category list it could be the bottom but start from there and fill the gap so yeah that's 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 going to be my new mantra now. So thanks, Dan, for sharing that. So uh, we know where we can go um, to find out more and connect with you. And, you know, listeners, I can say I connected uh, with, with Dan on LinkedIn some years ago now. And, uh, you know, we exchanged a few messages uh, then, which I'm sure were very memorable and you've not forgotten about them. Um, but <laughs> thanks for that. Um, but we know where to go. If, if you were to give the listeners something to take away, and to have an impact on the world, as you said, in your mission, to, to make a positive impact, what tip or what lesson would you like to share with the listeners that you feel that they can implement that will make an impact on them? Well, let's go big picture and little picture. So the big picture is I would share that this is an incredible time to be an entrepreneur. 
Um, it feel if you watch the news, it feels like everything is in a constant state of uh, you know catastrophe, and you know that we've got all sorts of problems and we face all sorts of problems and humanity's in trouble and society's in trouble and all of those sorts of things. The beauty of the entrepreneurial method is that the entrepreneurial method is a way of turning uh, challenges and frustrations and problems into opportunities and to solve those in a scalable way. So if there's more problems, it means there's more entrepreneurial opportunities. And um, one of the things that you should never forget is there's never been more money around than before. There's never been more um, talented people to, to have onto a team. There's never been more channels of distribution. There's never been uh, a greater ability to raise money and, and to um, you know, scale a product or a business. So this is an incredible time to be an entrepreneur and don't let anyone tell you otherwise, you know, don't lose sight of the bigger picture. And the bigger picture is that you can have a very big, valuable, scalable, um, successful business. Um, so that's the big picture. Let me give you something that's just quick and tactical. So quick and tactical, I would say, here's a tip. Most people are, are looking out in the big wide world for new customers. And yet when I go and look in most businesses, they already have the next hundred customers on their existing database, people who just need to be reactivated, re-engaged. Um, how do you do that? So there's three things that I recommend, which is number one, enrich your database. Enriching your database means going and finding out more things about each person on the database. If you've got the ability to run a survey, a scorecard, any additional data gathering, uh, for your database, start with that process of going out to your database and seeing what additional things you can find out about each person. Uh, everything is a helpful clue. And if you can just simply go through a process of enriching the data, that's going to be helpful. Um, second step is segment the data. So try and identify uh, segments within your database where you can say, you know, these people are early stage entrepreneurs. These are more advanced entrepreneurs or um, you know, maybe you sell in the construction. These are property developers. These are homeowners. These are um, renovators, right? So you just segment the database and try and understand what are the different segments rather than seeing your database as one monolithic sure. thing, see it, as, see it as segments. And then finally, run campaigns to activate those segments. So run a different campaign to the developers, run a different campaign to the renovators, run a different campaign to the homeowners, right? And actually do some campaigning for those segments using phone, using email, uh, you know, look for ways to engage them based on their unique preferences. So uh, enrich the data, segment the data and run campaigns um, to your existing list, to your existing people around you. You'll discover that your next hundred clients are right under your nose. Yeah, and, and, and such great, set of tips you know not just one tip but a set of tips so uh, thanks dan for sharing those and you're absolutely right it's a great opportunity in the world out there at the moment for some it might not feel like it but you know one of the reasons i took the tv off the bedroom wall on christmas uh, morning was because i was fed up of watching the news turning it on and seeing all the doom and gloom so i choose what i consume i don't have to have it yeah. broadcast to me so uh, yeah there, there are definitely some great opportunities there final question then and this is always yeah. this is going to be an interesting one, okay? Because uh, it's slightly different. Yeah, if you're going to have your next sort of bean to cup coffee with yeah. a great book, it can be business book, <laughs> it can be fictional book. As an author, this is always a good question to ask. What would that book be? 
and by who? Oh, do you know, I've recently, I'm going to be, I'm going on holiday tomorrow. We're going down to pool, down to the beach. We're staying at our, at our beautiful holiday home that we've rented. Yeah. Um, and there's a great coffee machine in the holiday home. I Good. checked that out. <laughs> Good. And the books that I'm really geeking out on at the moment, I really would encourage you to check out is the original Ian Fleming, James Bond books. Uh, James Bond is a very different character in, in the books than he is in the movies. And um, I also love, you know how we think that inflation is running rampant at the moment. Yeah. In the books, some of the funniest thing is like James Bond, uh, he pays people in crisp five pound notes. And the way they talk about five pound notes in the book is <laughs> is the same way we would, we would talk about 50s or 100s. Um, when he checks into the Ritz, he has 500 pounds with him, which is, you know, it, it, in the book, it's a lot of money. Um, there's, he, he smuggles 10,000 pound diamonds, which, you know, doesn't get you a lot of diamonds wow. today. Yeah, but, it, but it's funny. I love it because it's a little bit of a time travel. You time travel into a different time. Obviously, his books are not PC. They don't fit with the, the current culture very well at all. Yep. But the book, but they, but it's actually it's lovely. It's a good book. Sorry to go off on a tangent. You probably not no, what no. you're expecting, but I, I'm loving the Ian Fleming books. Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes we need that that different release, don't we? We need just to disconnect from one thing and reconnect to something else. And you're right with the inflation here, yeah. uh, because it's you know uh, when when I'm of an age that I am, I can think back to the seventies. You know, uh, yeah, I was born in '67. And you know, I can remember as a child being in the 70s and having fuel crisis and spiraling inflation. You know, we've been there before. And again, I think that's why there's a great opportunity. We've been there before. And, you know, there's some great opportunities out there. So we know we know you're going to be in pool and you're going to be reading an Ian Fleming book. James well. Bond. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> love that. Love that. Well, thank you so much for being a guest. You've not disappointed me. You'll be glad to know. You're giving us some grateful uh, insights and I know the listeners are going to take some great value. The most important thing, listeners, is do something with what we've talked about today. You know, look at those opportunities. Look at that awareness. Go and reach out to the Score app. Just give us the website again for the for the Score app. Score, scoreapp.com. So S-C-O-R-E-A-P-P.com, scoreapp.com. And that is going to allow you, you just use a template you set up a free trial, you set up a template and you're pretty much, you do some edits and you're ready to go. You can promote it on your LinkedIn or something like that and get some warm leads. It's a great way. You know, I mentioned enriching the data. That's how you, that's one of the fastest ways to enrich the data and get segments. And you'll get a free copy of the book as well. So and you'll get a free copy of the book. Yeah, even better. You heard it here first. So that's great. Great. Well, thank you very much uh, for being a guest. Your time is so valued and, uh, you know, I, I hope you have a good trip away and get time to uh, reflect and get some uh, vacation time as well. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. And listeners, as always, you know, it is about being self-aware. I say that at the end of every podcast. It's about education. There are some great education books that Daniel Priestley has done that are out there. Find them, consume them, study them, and most importantly, implement them. That's the justice you can do there. And of course, take some action. Let us know what you've done with what you've heard in this podcast. Leave us a review, reach out, let Daniel know that uh, you heard it here on the podcast and we'd love to know what difference this podcast has made to you and we'll see you on the next one. Bye for now. 
Thank you for listening. Don't forget if you'd like any help and support with your business, do get in touch with Simon. And to discover what your business needs you to fix next, visit www.sterlingcoaching.fixthisnext.com. Please do subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And Simon would love you to rate and review the show too. Thank you.